Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about IVF, infertility, and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Emma. And I'm Gabby, and we're both card-carrying members of the Infertility Club. Welcome to episode 10. Episode 10 of season 2. It's a milestone, it feels like it. Yeah, it is a milestone. Ten. Great. Um, hello guys, hope you're all well. Yeah, hope you survived Mother's Day. Yeah. Not an easy day for anyone. No, it's really not. For so many reasons. It's just multiple levels, isn't it? From also, constant like, reminders. Just like really naff cards. Like, yeah. I went into a supermarket and there were just so many naff flowers around. Mm. Just like naff. I did quite want some flowers anyway, to be honest, but I... I didn't get any. I would have liked some flowers. Yeah. I even said on Instagram that I'd quite like some and, and Mr. Gabby didn't take the hint. So, um, <laughs> it's a real shame. I said to John, you, you could get me some flowers. And he was like, no, we're not sure it's actually happening yet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but I was, I was saying that like, you know, well, I mean, I think everyone kind of has this idea that we're, we're, you're already mothering, you are nourishing Mate, you and are developing your child. You are That's filling mothering. yourself full of drugs. I know, right? That's mothering, I'm right there. I'm working hard. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Right, lads. We both deserved flowers. Yeah. Cheers, and we boys. Both didn't get any. <laughs> yeah, it's a fuck Mother's Day. Yeah. Oh, and the gosh. horse it rode it on. Exactly. Anyway, it's over now, guys. We can forget about it. Put it behind us. And the next big celebration is Easter, which is about chocolate, which I think we can all get behind. Yeah. Like. For- Firmly behind. Yes. Also, we should say that if you hear any little jingles right now, it's because we've got um, we've got a special guest, <laughs> and that is Gabby's cat Betty, yeah. who is rubbing herself all over my hands. She's she's very interested in what's happening here. Yeah, I think she, I think I have the scent of Nora on me. Oh, Uh-oh. yeah, she's she's well excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so cool episode today. Yeah, yeah, we've got an interview with the wonderful Lynn Enright. Yeah, who is quite an inspiration really isn't she she's great i love her yeah um so she's written vagina a re-education yes so um the interview is essentially us avoiding using the word vagina as much as possible do we not use the word vagina? no we do use it we do although we also use the anatomically correct terminology yes yeah more on that later but it is but we do giggle quite a lot yeah it's great it's really interesting and uh, the book is very good it's out now so you can get it in all good bookshops yes and um, yeah, Lynn is also going through um, infertility, yeah, so we chatted is. a bit about that as well. Yeah, I'm starting IVF treatment later this year. Yeah. Um, and then Professor Tim is back. He's back. So we've sorted it out. Well, we haven't. We've kind of sorted it out. We've kind of sorted it out, but um, suffice it to say, sound quality is kind of better. So mm, so it's a solution yeah. that works out better. Slightly better. Yeah. I mean, obviously, <laughs> Betty's now on the table. Betty's just jumped on me. <laughs> Betty, this is not the time, mate. <laughs> Um, Yeah, so uh, Professor Tim was talking about taking baby aspirin before a transfer. He was. Um, Yeah, it is like it is a thing that a lot of people suggest. Yeah. So I've heard it mostly in the States, though. Have you? Yeah, I think so. 
Or maybe I'm wrong. Anyway. No, well, I've heard it mostly on social media, so probably from the States. Well, there we go. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, listen out for that. And other than that, I think it just remains to say... Please rate and review the podcast. Yes, please. Wherever you get your podcast. But if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, then, like, double that. Yeah, that would be great. Um, And please follow us. On Instagram. At Big Fat Negative. At Big Fat Negative. <laughs> or you can follow either of our personal accounts as well, we should oh, say. Yeah, we should. Which is at BFN Gabby or at BFN Emma. Indeed. And Gabby is spelt with G A B B Y rather than G A B I. Yes, that's true. Yeah. I don't know why. people spell. They do, yeah. yeah. Um, or you can follow us on Twitter. At Big Fat Negative. Or you can follow us on Facebook. Big Fat Negative. Or you can follow us on emailing us. Follow us. You can follow us down the street. You can follow us down um, the street away. <laughs> um, and or, you can email yes, us. You can email. <laughs> it's, it's not my day, is it? You're doing well. You're doing well. Thanks, mate. Um, and that email address is bigfatnegativepodcast at gmail.com. There we go. And that's a wrap. Enjoy the podcast, guys. Welcome back to the United Kingdom. Thank you very much. It's good to be home. How are you finding it? Oh, you know, it's good. I, I like the quaint people <laughs> and the uh, all of the lovely villagers named strange names. And <laughs> Mate, I've missed you. I've oh, missed your face. Oh, I missed you too. Um, yeah, I had a nice holiday, didn't I? Yeah. Um, and uh, just so I could take you guys with me, I've done a little audio diary of my time away. Oh my God. So we, uh, yeah, have a listen to this. And at this point, I literally haven't listened, so I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) So it is day three in New York. Um, We've just checked into a super, super cool hotel in Williamsburg in Brooklyn because it's my husband's birthday. Um, So I got a surprise stay in this place, which is quite nice. I'm drinking a lemon and beetroot lemonade, which seems like the right thing to do. Beetroot's good for me, right? Um, I started taking the drugs this morning, so my period came, which is good, it's fine. Um, so I'm now taking three estrogen pills a day. Um, made the mistake of looking at the side effects. Don't do that, guys, if you are looking at taking them soon. Just, just don't look. I don't think it's worth it. Um, and yeah, I'm having a nice time. Absolutely loving it. And uh, this is fine, we can do this. Hey, um, so it's day four of my trip to New York. Um, I'm sitting in probably the most amazing hotel room we've ever ever stayed in, um, which was a treat for my husband's birthday. Um, Basically big uh, wall-to-ceiling windows looking out over Manhattan from Brooklyn. Um, It's pretty incredible. Um, And to celebrate, I'm drinking a full-calf coffee served to our room because decaf didn't seem to be an option and you know what I don't think one coffee is going to make too much of a difference so I am enjoying that at the moment um I also got a bit cavalier with my no drinking yesterday because as I say it was my husband's birthday and so yeah I had I had I'm gonna say like a quarter of a, a glass of pint of um Guinness because it was St. Patrick's Day and then I had some wine later on because fuck it um but I'll try and be a bit better from here on in and um but that in other news I was wandering around um Williamsburg which is terribly cool and there was a organic non-toxic beauty shop which as you I'm sure you know is pretty amazing because it's so hard to get in London and it seems to be all over the place here um and I found a, a new toner for my face and it's got COC-10 in it that's CoQ10 um, which obviously we were taking before Christmas for um, egg and sperm health and now I've got some for my face which is um, it's exciting as my husband said I've got cock face which is just hilarious um, so yeah I'll let you know how that goes it's from a uh, brand called Indie Lee I don't know if it's available in the UK but, um, but yeah, I'm giving that a go. It's going to apparently rebalance and prime my skin. Joy. Anyway, that's enough for me. Hello. 
Um, it is day six of my trip to New York and I'm sitting in a coffee shop in uh, Greenwich Village called The Elk, which feels terribly cool. I just had a granola and a decaf flat white, which is all very good. My diet, though, so far has been pretty poor, I'm going to say. So many carbs, so many carbs, so much dairy. Um, so I think me and the hubs have discussed going free, going uh, gluten free when we get back because I think we both probably need to um, both need to purge all of these carbs. Um, but but yeah, I'm having a really lovely time. Um, I completely forgot to take one of my estrogen pills the other day, but I think it's okay, especially listening to Professor Tim Child talk about that it's uh should be fine i think and then this morning i was taking my morning one and i had this moment where i was like have i already taken it today because i'd already had my um supplements and i was like i just like completely forgot i was like did i already take it i don't think i did oh god i'm so bad at this drug stuff like three times a day is a lot and i need to just get better basically so um yeah wish me luck with that So here we go. Um, it's my last day in New York. I'm currently in the lobby of our hotel, waiting for Mr. Gabby to drop off the bags at the concierge. We've got a couple of hours of waiting ahead of us because we're not flying out till 9 p.m. So we've got that classic uh, hangy around. What do we do with this time? Um, but uh, it's been it's been a really bloody lovely holiday. I am glad we didn't do the transfer. Basically, it's you know it's been it's been really fun. Um, but not terribly relaxing, I guess. So I think it's probably a good job that we didn't do the transfer. Also, the turbulence um, on the way over here was really bad. And I just, it would have been so stressful um, having had an, a transfer on top of that. Um, so I'm glad we didn't do that. Um, I've managed to have a couple of wines. We've really enjoyed ourselves. New York is brilliant. Obviously, I'm, I know lots of our listeners um, obviously know this, uh, but it was new information to me. Um, I bloody loved it. And it was wonderful to be able to meet Ariel, founder of Co-Fertility the other day in like a hip, little hipster coffee shop, um, hearing all about the plans for launch for Co-Fertility and just catching up on where she's at in her journey and where I'm at in my journey. Um, it's been really nice so you know New York has been fantastic some of my key takeaways are um, it's so good for natural natural cosmetics like non-toxic stuff um, so I'm probably going to use some of my last few hours to go out and grab some more things because I'm addicted um, one other key observation everyone's got a dog everyone has a dog um, which is is fun it's, we've been um, seeing lots of cute doggies while we've been walking around which has been great um, yeah it's been a good holiday I'm glad we did it now it's time for the FET I guess I'm just going to um, spend my last day loading up on carbs because once I get back that's it, no more um, so yeah it's going to be good bye Well, that was my uh, trip to the US. I'm not sure <laughs> whether people actually enjoyed that, um, but <laughs> I enjoyed making a little audio diary. Um, but yeah, I had a great time, um, as I said, so it was wonderful. And I came back, obviously, straight into my um, appointment. Oh my God. At Kings about my FET. Shit. Yep. So yeah, I had to go in. I came back on the Sunday, arrived at 8 a.m., and um, the Monday I had a scan. Oh my god! Yeah, so I had to go and look at my lining. Did you have hido see... jet lag? Uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. I was pretty woozy. Bet you were. Yeah. Bet you were woozy AF. Woozy AF, exactly. Um, but I managed to stumble my way to the clinic. Yeah. Which I'm still in love with, by the way. I'm just—I don't think I'm going to get over that for a while. <laughs> the new space that is it's so cool. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, they were. T- they were just wanted to check my lining, see how it was doing. Because obviously I've been on three estrogen pills a day mm-hmm. since um, the beginning of the holiday, really. Um, and yeah, the lining was eight, is it milli- millimetres? Yeah. Yeah. So Juicy. Is that good? That's great. What do they transfer what? at? Uh, I think it's anything over seven, isn't it? Okay. I don't know. Um. So wait, so you're on day what and it's eight millimetres? 
Uh, I was on day nine. Mate, that's that's a great result. Is it? Yeah. Oh. As somebody who's been obsessing over their own lining for several <laughs> years now. That's brilliant. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, the doctor seemed happy. Um, I've got a disgustingly big cyst on one of my ovaries, but he's just mm. not interested in that. He was, oh, well, yeah. he was. He measured it and stuff, but he, <laughs> and he said it was probably full of pus, which is oh, disgusting. Lovely. I was like lying there, legs akimbo. So they're not making you, what's the word, aspirate it? Aspirate it. it. No. Yeah. doesn't okay. seem interested in aspirating it fine which well, that's I'm good like, okay fine whatever yeah. um so yeah so i was in there and they were like well okay because i was expecting to do my transfer that was monday i thought it would be the end of the following week mm-hmm. but he was like no you're good to come in next monday shit get it done so yeah it's happening oh my god yeah uh so as we record this now it's tuesday and yeah next monday so you've I'll got be... less than a week yeah what are you gonna do with yourself oh man well I'm I'm not eating any sugar. I've gone gluten free, and I'm trying to. I'm avoiding all coffee, not even decaf. I'm just avoiding yeah. everything. So I'm being like real straight edge, just because I was so badly behaved in New York. I was like, I need to fucking pull this back from the brink. Yeah. Um. And also, I went to acupuncture last night, obviously. Yeah. And I've booked an acupuncture appointment for before my transfer. Yeah. So um. Yeah. That's what. That's what I'm doing really. Oh my god! I'm also trying to get a load of work done so they don't have to do any work next week. Yeah, but absolutely you know, fair. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, I'm excited. That's so excited! It's finally happened. Um, oh, happening. Have you started progesterone yet? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. May. I know. Ooh, I have to do my first pessary in the middle of the day. So whilst I'm in an office, amazing. Which I'm not excited about. Uh, oh yeah, and then injections in the evening. Sweet joy. Great times. Yeah. Um. Okay, well, enough about me. Well, let's talk about me for a Emma, minute. What's going on with you? Um, oh, I've got my first legitimately unpleasant pregnancy symptom. Oh. I didn't really have nausea. I had a bit of like insomnia, but I like, didn't really care. Like, I, I, it's been fine so far. And now I've got acid reflux. Oh. No one tells you about acid reflux until... Um, until you get it and then you're like I've got acid reflux and then everyone goes oh yeah I got that is that heartburn yeah it's heartburn it's basically your acid your stomach acid coming back up your and burning you so I read this article right go on and there's this hormone called relaxin no sounds we've made talked up. about relaxin before sounds I feel so... like we've laughed about that yeah. already because it sounds like something a shampoo advert makes up yeah exactly um and it basically does everything from making your hips like widen and basically come out less, as far as I understand it, like come out their sockets a little bit. Ooh. So it's what gives you the waddle because oh. it makes all your muscles relax. Um, it's been blamed for giving Pippa Middleton a flat ass. <gasps> no. Yes. Relaxing. Relaxing is Satan. Um, it also makes all your like because all your muscles are relaxing. You're like a relaxing. Yeah, relaxing. Um, your esophagus like doesn't close properly because it's just like too loosey goosey, and therefore oh, you, you get, get acid, acid reflux. reflux. Right? Okay. And I've just like it's so uncomfortable. How else is that going to manifest itself? Do you like burp more? Yeah. <laughs> it's so gross. I like. It's just. It's genuinely like I I can't sleep unless I'm propped up on like four pillows right now. Mm-hmm. Like the reason I, my throat sounds a bit bad is genuinely because I think it's been acided. Oh no! I know. Mm. It's just like Amazon acid. I'm literally on acid, and it's not very nice. <laughs> so that is my first twenty weeks in. My first unpleasant pre- pregnancy. Well, that, you know, you've done well, mate. Yeah. It was going to come at some point. Yeah, it was going to come, but you know. And uh, you've got a scan coming up. I've got my 20-week scan next week. So it's actually going to be 20 days and six... Wait, 20 weeks and six days. Ugh. So it's a bit of a wait. Getting a bit stressed about that. Okay. Um, also, I just spent the weekend, a few days in Paris. Gay Paris. Gay Paris. Where I discovered that I speak French. Oh. I'm oui? not surprised. I don't. I no. just... Like, um, I, I realised I, <laughs> I spoke French. When my dear husband said, I've done some research and I found a, like, fashionable maternity wear shop. Oh, French, yeah. like, boutique. Ooh. Seraphine. 
Oh, Serafine. I know Serafine. And and he was, like, it was really sweet because neither of us have really acknowledged that there's a baby coming. Yeah. In in that, like, we haven't really bought anything. Yeah. Like, I've got maternity jeans yeah. that I bought from Topshop, like, stealthily. Yeah. Um, But that's it. That's all I've got. And then I think he, we've hit, like, coming up to 20 weeks, aka halfway there. Mm. And he's just been like, I think we need to start we acknowledging to start that planning. there's potentially a, a live human coming into our lives. Yeah. Um, and he, so he he researched this shop and I went in and I bought a bra, <gasps> like a non-underwire bra. Nice. But like I had to negotiate with the saleswoman because she kept giving me one that was too big round the chest, but small cup size. And I had to like have a, this whole conversation with this woman about getting en like français. a en français because she did not speak any anglais. Sacré bleu. <laughs> <laughs> but it was oh like I was yeah. It was, I love that you're also wearing a Breton striped top. Oh, uh, mais oui, <laughs> je suis français. Um, yeah, it was really like cool. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, so my discovery that I could speak French was IVF related, which is why I thought I'd tell that tale on this podcast. You know, uh, Kate Middleton wears a lot of seraphine. No. Yeah, way. Oh, no, I I interviewed Dolberg. Yeah. You interviewed Kate Middleton? No, God, no. You interviewed Seraphine? The the founder of Seraphine. Oh, did you? His name escapes me. She's Cé- Cé- Cécile Renault, I think uh, is her name. Where, where, where? She's um she's got a great export business as well. I found really? during my interview. <laughs> You'll be interested to know. I bought. Do you know what the things so that I bought? You able to buy Seraphine here as well. The things that I bought were like quite on me. Like I bought a pair of chambray, like loose chambray trousers. Oh, I like that. That sounds nice. Yeah, but I have no idea what I'm going to wear them with, and I did put them on and go like, do I look like a mum? And I did look like a mum, but not on a cool like. Oh, Not in a cool way. I think you did. And then I bought like a denim dress. Nice. That's like a short denim dress. Okay. With like a tie. Get those pins out. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see if I wear them. But I, I felt like it kind of legitimised my pregnancy a bit. Mm. Like I, I walked in and nobody was like... Because a second person this week went, oh, you don't look pregnant. Mm. Um, And I was... I So I walked in and was really like, they're going to throw me out because I'm not pregnant enough. They're gonna know, yeah. And um, and nobody questioned me. Oh, good. Yeah, and I'm also glad. the chambray trousers really like emphasise the bump. Oh, there you go. Yeah, fine. I find it that's quite interesting that I've learnt um along the way because mm. you know I think when someone doesn't look that pregnant is quite skinny or you know yeah. it doesn't have much of a bump you feel like you're um complimenting them by saying oh you you know you don't look pregnant yeah, yeah you look still look super slim or yeah. whatever. Um, but obviously there's so much, that's such a loaded comment. It's, I, I think when you have my brain, it might be, but now like it's weird because I'm sure the it's last... the same for other women as well. Yeah, I think it is. In the last couple of days, my bumps popped out a bit. Mm. It's like started to really show. Um, and then, and then I'm like, oh, am I going to be really fat? Is it going to be really massive? Mm. It's like, oh, well, like what is wrong with me? What do you want? I just, what do I want? I don't know. But also I've got stretch marks on my boobs. Oh, yeah. Have you got some uh, Neil's Yard mother's yes. balm? Well done. Been slathering it on. Oh, good. Absolutely slathering. But yeah, that's basically been my week, actually. Oh, amazing. I think so. Like drinking. Oh, also in Paris, they have this really nice alcohol free Cronenberg. Ooh. It's not 1664, it's something else. Right. It is très bien. Mm. Très bon. Nice. Oui. Oh, I'm trying to think of something French to say. Cheers. What do they say? Uh, santé. Santé, madame. Oui. <laughs> Alors. Alors. Au revoir. Au revoir. A bientôt. Mm. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. it's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so we always start by asking people about their journey. Okay, the journey, the right. Journey. Um, well, I got married around um, almost two years ago um, and we were trying for a baby and and that was in itself, I think, that was probably one of the most shocking uh, times was just sort of starting to have, I was calling it unprotected sex until a friend said that. <laughs> she was like, it's not really called unprotected sex with your husband. I mean, but uh, yeah, but she's like, we call it TTC. I was like, okay, fine. So then I learned what TTC was. And that was, I found that really quite shocking at the beginning. I just thought I would get pregnant the mm. first month. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, like everybody else. And, yeah. And, and, and then I, and then, I, and then that didn't happen. And then I, I started to discover obviously that that is actually, you know, that the, odds are around kind of 20%, maybe 30%. You know, I thought they were much higher than Mm -hmm. that. And then you kind of go through the months and then by the end of the first year, you kind of realise, okay, well, maybe there's a problem. And so then I had tests and my husband had tests and um, we realised that there was a problem with my husband and he he had been very ill. He had had tuberculosis. Oh, my God. Um, really, really seriously. Wow. And it was really grave and really horrible. And we're still not certain whether it was the tuberculosis or the drugs that were being used to treat oh, the right. tuberculosis or if it was something different. But basically, they think something happened, an mm-hmm. injury almost, mm-hmm. uh, but they don't know how. Um, and and that has affected him. So that's where we're at. So we're going to have to do, probably, hopefully, do ICSI. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to do that later in the year. So we're currently on an NHS waiting list. Oh, my husband had mumps, and that's why we have having problems, basically. Right. So it's all come back to that. Yeah, it's yeah. just so random, I guess. Yeah. All these, you know, very... Uh, minor. Well, I mean, the tuberculosis was actually really serious, so it kind of makes sense how that perhaps he, there was ramifications. We were living in Berlin for a couple of months, and he got the flu, and it was really, really bad. And then he got tuberculosis. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so but technically, we're here not to talk, to talk just about fertility, but to talk about the vagina. Mm, Dude. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> You've written a book about it. Yes. Yeah. Why? What inspired you? Well, some of the stuff like we're talking about, about fertility and Mm. infertility and talking about that. And um, I was working at The Pool, which is now defunct, but I was there as head of news and content for around three years. Mm -hmm. And um, while I was there, uh, I wrote and commissioned a lot about abortion, miscarriage, fertility, infertility, gynae Mm. issues. And there was always a really big response to that stuff because I think it was always, well, not not that many other places were doing it and it felt like people really wanted to talk about it so I could see that that was happening and then connected to that felt like the issue of women not knowing enough about the basics of their own biology so I felt like that the basics of women's biology and 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 us not knowing enough about our own genitals and reproductive systems Mm -hmm. work connected or was connected to bigger issues like taboos around miscarriage and taboos around infertility Mm. um and as well actually you know the me too movement you know it felt like these are all connected the fact that you know women leave school not knowing enough about their body that does feel connected to the fact that women, you know, are sexually assaulted or struggle through painful sex. Uh-huh. So I wanted to explore all of that kind of from the basics right up through to these more complicated yeah. issues. You talk about um, 
taking a mirror and having a look at <laughs> one's vagina yeah um, as a useful exercise yeah um I mean, have you ever done that, Emma? No. No, I think I You have. know that, that's why you just asked me. I know. I <laughs> no, have. I've never done that. I've never looked at my vagine um, ever before because I'm a bit grossed out by it, to be honest. Yeah. That's part of the problem, right? Yeah, I think that is part of the problem. I think that because it's underneath, you know, we don't really see it. And if you're a straight woman, you probably haven't seen very many. And then if you see what's in porn it's not really a real reflection because a lot of porn performers have had labiaplasty mm. um, and obviously they're completely bald as well. So it's, it's, you're, it's, a, it's like you're looking at something slightly different. Yeah. But I think people are quite nervous. I don't, you know, I, I did uh, that when the anecdote in the book about taking a mirror and looking at it, that was when I was a kid. Yeah. So, uh-huh. you know, I don't think I've looked at it very many times since then. You know, I think there is something quite uh, almost intimidating about yeah. it is do you know what's funny we've just i've literally just come back from paris and then we went to the rodin museum oh yeah and rodin like when was he around like 1800s and there were all these vaginas everywhere we looked they... there was a whole exhibition of his like studies of vaginas so they were good like as in anatomically well, correct i mean they were... i think if, if i think about like victorians drawing a vagina i don't think they're gonna it, do it very well it wasn't like a detailed scientific drawing but there were just like women on their sides with their Faffs out, right, right. And I was quite impressed by that. Ooh. Like it seemed quite um, revolutionary. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, I'm not. Cause I'm. I'm not sure about like my art history. So I. That's, no, I yeah. don't know anything about. So, art. so I'm not. I. I don't. I went know. to art college and I don't okay. know anything about. <laughs> but, but it just seemed like it seemed like you know back in the day we think of the kind of our past generations as being very prudish. Yeah. And he yeah. wasn't. Yeah. He definitely wasn't. Mm. Also, I do feel I have to point it out like a big pedant, but uh, we should be calling the oh. we should be calling it a vulva, okay. not a vagina. And this is another thing that you say yeah. in the book because yeah. I like I actually didn't know that. Yeah, so the so, vagina is inside, and that is and everything else that's is kind of passage. outside. Can we yeah. just, can we just label some areas? Yeah, well, yeah. actually, that was one of my yeah. questions. Yeah. I was okay. going to get you to do. Yeah, so let's do that. So, so then we can talk, you know, yeah. correctly <laughs> yeah. for yeah. the rest of the podcast. Uh-huh. So the vagina is inside; it's the okay. muscular tube. So it's basically the hole. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and then the vulva is the outer bits. So the vaginal opening, the urethral opening, the clitoris, the labia. Um, yeah, everything else really. Okay, the yeah. petals of the orchid. Yes, yeah. yeah. If we if we, if we nice. want to be euphemistic about the, <laughs> I can't help yeah, stop it. moving yeah. away from yeah. the truth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, which bits the labia? So there's the inner and outer labia. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the kind of lips of the, okay. the vagina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I guess I, I and. I think there is a sense, and I, I think it's correct, that we sort of tolerate the word vagina because it's, you know, uh, integral to straight sex um, and to, you know, penises and it's in it, childbirth. Mm-hmm. But we're a little bit more squeamish about the rest of the vulva, like the clitoris yeah. and the labia, because those are more sort of fun bits and they don't really need to be connected to a man. And I think that that is, you know, I, there is a theory that we, that is why we don't really name the vulva and I think that's that's actually quite correct so we need to start saying it I think that's so yeah crazy, isn't it that yeah everyone says it wrong yeah yeah and I think there are repercussions to that because you know if you don't know the names of your own body parts even if you go to the doctor then you're sort of I mean they I'm sure doctors realize that people are misnaming it but I think there is something uh, there's a feminist um psychologist and thinker who says uh what isn't named doesn't exist Uh and I think that is quite true and so if we're sort of leaving out uh the clitoris and the labia when we talk about our genitals Mm. we are sort of leaving out how well when it comes to the clitoris how most people you know most women orgasm Mm. and so I think that we're I think that there is something sort of squeamish or you know um even misogynistic in that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny that you say that, actually, because I was watching a female comedian, who I shall not name, um, doing a special on Netflix the other day. And, like, it was... My husband and I were watching it, and neither of us were, like, guffawing out loud. And he was like, look, this isn't funny. Why are we even watching it? And I was like, actually... You know, as you say, she's she's 
giving words to these female experiences that I've had. She's like naming these female experiences that I've had and I can kind of associate with her and, you know, these are experiences that I've had that I've never really thought about and she's like making them funny and making light of them but she's she's causing them to exist mm. Ooh, by yeah. naming them. Yeah. And I was like, so can we not turn it off even though we're not like laughing out loud like we would with like... I don't know, someone else. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, I think that loads of things happen to us and and, and we feel like we can't talk about them. And and that does mean something. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, that's about fertility. I think that's quite uh, an interesting thought to have because I think, you know, infertility is is taboo even though mm. it's really common yeah mm. and and i think that does all feel connected and i think we're much uh more prone to that when it comes to women's bodies as opposed yeah. to men's mm. bodies and women's experiences as opposed to male experiences um there's i mean so there's lots of brilliant chapters in your book which we probably won't get around to talking about all of them, but you did write about your experience of TTC in there mm. and i like talking about descriptions i was particularly struck by the way you talked about that your husband couldn't understand the experience you had every month of searching your body for clues mm. for things. Because that's, I mean, definitely I can relate to that so much. Chill out, Emma. <laughs> Chill out. Yeah, and you're like, you don't know. But um, <laughs> Am I boobs bigger? Yeah. <sighs> Completely. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No, I think that I think that, that was really striking, and you know, my husband's really he's really nice, of and <laughs> you know, he's he's really understanding. But especially at the beginning, I think before it had become um, a sort of medical issue, you mm, know, because yeah. when we were still very much in the kind of trying stage, well, you're in that hope cycle, and in, yeah, in hope, and 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 I guess he just isn't, you know, the the man in the relationship if you're in a straight relationship just isn't really clued in to your menstrual cycle and what that means for your psyche each month you know and I think it's almost impossible uh for somebody else to understand and I think you know it's almost now because uh, you know I know that it's not going to happen naturally I mean maybe there's a very like tiny tiny mm-hmm. kind of one in a million chance that it could happen naturally mm. but I mean it's 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 pretty much not going to happen naturally at the moment and knowing that has allowed me to sort of a step away from that terror that oh, I yeah. felt each month yeah. you're just like okay well it's not going to happen and it sort of gives you back an element of control in a way yeah it kind of gives you sex back to yeah because you can just do it for fun again yeah. rather than doing it at the right time every month and yeah. being obsessed yeah. about it and... yeah I think it, ha- it really changed things it was oh, it's obviously really really distressing to get an infertility diagnosis but it's I th- I found it to be in some ways a a big relief compared mm. to just kind of trying each month and it not happening and you not knowing why and like you say scheduling yeah. and sex and then if he was going away because he he travels for work quite a bit and that was really frustrating and mm-hmm. you, you know so it was really horrible and so to to get the diagnosis is is a relief mm. yeah 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 i remember when when my because i'm the reason I can't have a baby is because I don't have any fallopian tubes. Wow. Okay. Um, and when they, they clipped my second one, I, re- I remember being devastated. But then, yeah, you feel like, well, I don't have to think about it every month at the moment. Like, I don't. And I remember people being like, you seem better. You're like, what's going on? Me just being like, oh, I haven't got any tubes. Um, but I also remember going to the clinic one day and I'd had some bleeding. And they were like, we want you to take a pregnancy test. And I instantly went back to the, like, hysterical, sweating, sobbing Mm. freak. Mm. Just instantly. Mm. Obviously, it was negative. Yeah. But you will. I think, yeah, a pregnancy test is just, yeah, something that I suppose holds, yeah, yeah, promise. um, Even even after you've kind of realised that it... it, it doesn't, yeah. yeah. I was like, if we're, if this is a baby, we're naming it Jesus because it's the second coming. Like, <laughs> like, there's no way this is happening. And she's like, well, the doctor wants you to take one. Yeah. And I was like, please don't make me. Um, yeah. um, you talk about fertility education as well quite a lot mm. in the book, which is really interesting. It's something that we've kind of touched on, mm. not, not that much, actually. Yeah. Can you kind of talk to us about that a bit? Yeah, and, and, and I've kind of been on a bit of a journey with that. Mm. So uh, when I first came across 
Professor Geeta Nargund, who does a lot of fertility education in the UK. Um, she's a uh, she's a she uh, uh, runs her own fertility yeah, clinic. We've, we've had her on here. Actually. Oh, fabulous! Yeah. Okay, so friend of the podcast, friend brilliant. Of the podcast. Okay, <laughs> so when I first came across her, I I thought, well, you know what? I don't think that kids do need a fertility education. Um, you know, I think that nearly everybody knows how people get pregnant and I think you know if people are putting it off they're putting it off for reasons of economics or practical reasons like they haven't found the person that they want to be with forever or they haven't been able to afford to buy a home or they're waiting to you know get a better job or whatever and I do think that there that definitely is a huge issue and yeah living in in London and and working in you know a slightly uncertain field and all of that will influence things but then I did realize after I started trying to conceive that there were huge gaps in my knowledge there were huge gaps in in lots of people's knowledge Mm -hmm. and that I think you know if you do get a fertility education you can make a much more empowered decision yeah and I think like our culture is a little bit like don't get pregnant don't get pregnant that would be a terrible thing to get pregnant that would be awful don't get pregnant don't get pregnant yeah and then suddenly one of it in, in a year it's like oh you should get pregnant you should get pregnant you should get pregnant you should mm. get pregnant why, you why aren't you, you pregnant you done this? yeah what's wrong with you yeah and I think that that's how we sort of treat pregnancy especially in uh with middle class women mm-hmm. and I th- you know I don't think that's really right I think that you know uh, we should empower teenagers with knowledge and that if somebody would like to have a baby when they're younger, you know, that that's not necessarily a terrible decision. But I think in sex education, we have sort of acted as though getting yeah. pregnant young is, is such an yeah, error. That you ruin your life. Yeah. And then and then acted like, you know, but getting pregnant at around 30 yeah. is, is what you should do. And mm. if you don't want to get pregnant, then that's slightly suspicious too. And actually, you know, I think we've put all these value judgments on fertility and, and pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think that kids or teenagers should be just equipped and educated from a very sort of neutral perspective. And then that will allow them to make decisions in their life. And I think that's probably what a fertility education could offer. And one of the things that you talk about in the book a lot is, um, and what a lot you reference in the book, is an article that was written in The Atlantic mm. in 2013 that I read as well. Um, and it's about basically the kind of flawed reasons we think fertility falls off a cliff, a cliff at 35. Yeah, yeah. So that article... Um, it talks about the the statistics mm. and and it kind of digs into those and and the, those come from like really like a hundred oh, uh, stuff that's yeah. a hundred over a hundred years yeah, old yeah, yeah. so French records that are over a hundred years old uh-huh. so those are kind of forming the basis of our belief that fertility falls off a cliff at thirty five and also it's in that article the author talks about the fact that fertility doctors see a really and this is quite depressing I'm 35 and I'll be 36 by the time I have IVF but they do see a, a quite significant decrease in success rates yeah. among women who are over 35 and the author points out that perhaps that's true of IVF but it may not necessarily be true otherwise mm. and there isn't a clear consensus and she points out that fertility doctors they also they see people kind of you know perhaps like us who are really upset and really sad and Mm. really distraught at not having kids and they want us to have the best chance and so they advise young you know start trying younger but it's the science isn't 100% clear strange logic isn't it Mm. that that would skew everything yeah yeah, oh, it is. Because yeah. doctors see everyone crying, so that's yeah. why. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is but, funny, though, because I remember reading it and being like, oh, well, this is great. This takes the pressure off. Yeah. Like, that's so dangerous, isn't it? It is. I, I don't know, though. But, you know, the, the, what she's talking about is it was a woman. Right? Yeah, yeah, Jean Twenge, I yeah. think, or Twang. I'm not sure how you say her name. But, like, you know, she's doing it because... She's right. Yeah, I think it's a really good piece. And, you know, she's saying that fertility doesn't fall off a cliff at 35. Um, She had her kids after 35. It is 
very, very possible to have kids after 35. I actually know loads of women. Yeah. Most of my friends, I would say, mm. started kind of trying in their mid-30s. Um, but I suppose then for people like me, if I'm talking about myself, I am glad that I started trying, well, I was 34 when I started trying, mm-hmm. just because actually it's going to take me much longer yeah. than I thought it would. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe by the time this process is finished, I'll be 37, 38, 39. Maybe it won't ever happen in the way that I would have liked. Um, but, you know, so I suppose I can. you can see everybody's points, can't mm. you? You know, it's not yeah. an easy thing to decide because each situation is, is different. And some people will, you know, be 39 and they'll get pregnant the first oh, time yeah. they have, you know... Yeah unprotected sex or whatever we want to call it either the first mm. time they TTC <laughs> yeah make a mark off but then you've got that <laughs> issue of like celebrities as well and people seeing celebs in the gossip mags getting pregnant at like 45 yeah. or Janet Jackson wasn't she yeah. no like <laughs> and <laughs> twins at 50 yeah that's because they're not being you know transparent about the fact that they've Donor eggs. Or like stuff to pillow up their fronts for nine months. Yeah. That's the that's the theory about Meghan Markle, which is hilarious on the Daily Mail. Yeah. It's Uh obviously not true, but it's really funny if you go on Daily Mail comments. Oh, maybe that's why they're always kind of getting really snarky about her bump and the size of her bump and everything. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I do feel very, very sorry for Meghan Markle, yes. She's she's she just came here and married the man she loved. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. They've turned on her. <laughs> They've turned on her. Oh, oh. Anyway, um, so one thing I did want to talk about um, was you mentioned the book that you, early on in your relationship with your husband, had a termination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to kind of explore that a little bit um, and talk about kind of how that makes you feel now. Like, one of the things that you say is if the state and what is it employer and state support had been different your choice might have been different yeah I I think that's probably yeah I mean I wrote it so I suppose it is true (laughs) but uh yeah I think that is probably true or it definitely would have um you know influenced that decision so Mm. yeah basically we had an unplanned pregnancy very early in our relationship and both of our situations were such that it it would have been very um it would have felt almost impossible to have yeah. continued with the pregnancy i was i had just been made redundant um uh, as a journalist at a website i was working at had had shot and so um and so we yeah we had an abortion and kind of moved on with her lives and then you know a few good few years later got married and started trying and then it didn't happen and obviously there is a sort of sadness in that and and it is quite I mean I don't know if it's a, an unusual situation or if it's a or, or how it works probably no, not right all. you're not our first guest yeah and I think that you know I think if we talk about women's health and women's bodies we sort of acknowledge that these are things that are are quite common right mm-hmm. so one in three women uh has an abortion yeah uh one in four women or one in four between one in four and one in six pregnancies end in miscarriage uh one in six or one in seven couples will experience infertility mm. so you know these are all really common things and the and and when when you encounter them you need health care and I think that's really how I sort of look at it now that these are just quite common things that that happen and that I kind of dealt with them as as they happened um I do think that when we talk about fertility and 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 I suppose this is why I was all those years ago I was a little bit um resistant to the idea of fertility education because I just thought well you know if everybody had you know, houses and jobs that paid yeah. well, then they they could have babies at <clears throat> 27. Yeah. But very few people are in that position. And I do think that that should be part of a conversation and that it does sort of feel, you know, when you see those headlines about women leaving it too late and it's like, well, I didn't leave it too late because I was like, I don't know, just, you know, having, I don't know, going on holidays all the time. Or, you know, I, yeah. I, if, I, if I did leave it too late, it was kind of connected to the fact of affordable housing and mm. affordable childcare and the fact that in this country both those things are, are really inaffordable you yeah. know um 
and and quite quite impossible for people uh, mental yeah, yeah. I don't, it's not just women being selfish which is what you often feel yeah. is the kind of nuance in the headlines yeah that you've you know you've all well, you tried to have it all yeah and now well, I mean going back up. yeah going back to the Daily Mail aka my fave place um I, like I'm obsessed with Daily Mail comments it's like my guilty pleasure I can't get enough oh, of it no. I just go on there and find the worst insane. thing <laughs> anyway um there's you either have people having too many babies and using up all the UK's resources or career women, that's their favourite phrase, yeah. leaving it too late. How yeah. Dare like selfishly yeah. leaving it too late. Yeah. But I don't I don't know what the happy medium is. Again, like, <laughs> well, again, I think that they're going down the narrative of like, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant, yeah. don't get pregnant, do get pregnant, do get pregnant, why aren't you pregnant? So it's yeah. that thing of like, there's this uh, idea in our culture that there's a, a perfect time to have a baby and it's when you've got like absolutely all of your shit together mm. but you're not too old and it's just like that isn't really how it works for people um and I think that we need to support people on either scale you know on either mm. side of that like I said it wasn't like I wasn't very young when I had an unplanned pregnancy I think I was 30 um but I still didn't feel like I was in a position where I would have been supported by, you know, state or employers. Um, and I suppose that we just need to figure out how we can support women better. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, this is like, <laughs> goes way beyond fertility or infertility, but I just think yeah. the cost of childcare, it, it, like that's a really clear one that the UK and Ireland, where I'm from, really needs to yeah. sort out if we're going to get anywhere near equality, gender well, yeah, equality. Yeah, it solves so many problems, yeah. not just fertility. No, also flexibility you know. of childcare. Well, yeah. Yeah looking into this a little bit recently and um like i have to be at my desk by seven o'clock but there is no childcare that starts before seven thirty. so what yeah what, i'm just gonna leave the kid at, at propped outside the nursery i don't yeah like just put it on the doorstep and that's a challenge isn't it yeah it's gonna be interesting i told my boss and he's like there must be i was like there's not <laughs> there's nothing yeah so flexibility of childcare, flexibility yeah. of workplaces mm. you know yeah. i think if we are to get really to a place where the world is more gender equal uh, childcare and how we do it mm -hmm. is it has to be a much bigger conversation mm. okay so i guess um final question bit of a debate yeah debatey question oh okay and um, so you use a simone de beauvoir quote yeah when you're talking about periods um partly wanted to ask this question because i wanted to sound really clever saying simone de beauvoir <laughs> you did sound terribly clever. thank you <laughs> i think i did her when i did my i did like a feminism module in my degree but um, and I, I remember just like walking around with the book, just being like, "Yeah, yeah, what I'm reading." Yeah. Um, anyway, she says a, a girl gains no privileges at all when she begins to menstruate. Mm. Is that true? Well, I think what it is is that. Yeah, I, I think that I think it is quite true in that you know menstruating is is for the most part really horrible mm -hmm. and and also i think connected to that to that thought and, and simone de beaufort's point is that you know actually you sort of become a woman and and, yeah. and that can feel quite horrible especially before you're sort of ready mm. because you know i i was thinking of my sister as i wrote that yeah. she got a period quite young and i was a good bit older than her so i could see it quite clearly and i just felt so sorry for her but i suppose yeah you're you're still a kid then suddenly your period arrives mm. and you know that you're now kind of considered a woman and you look around especially when Samantha Beauvoir was writing and you're like oh god well womanhood isn't that great you know yeah, <laughs> like you get yeah you get proved on you get discriminated against you know you get and and so and so it's it's a bit of an unhappy end to to childhood um I suppose I do think that things have got better in those 50 years for yeah. girls in the west yeah it depends where you're um, from, it? yeah and it, it it absolutely depends where you're where you're living you know I think there are still um, there's still people discriminated here because of their periods. You know, if you have to take time off for work, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, there are still people definitely, you know, who feel mm -hmm. like they can't tell their employers that mm -hmm. or feel embarrassed. And then, you know, there are people, girls all over the world menstruating who don't have the the correct supplies or, who, you know, who don't have access to sanitary towels mm -hmm. and tampons. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think periods are, are very much fun I, I i think that's not a very controversial thing to say but yeah okay <laughs> i agree yeah <laughs> i don't miss them no um okay oh 
Um, when is the book launching? Oh, yeah. So the book is out. The book, the book is, out. is out. Yes. It's on yeah. the shelves. Yeah, the book is on the shelves. Okay. It is on Amazon and Foils and Waterstone websites. And it cool. should be in a local bookshop if you want to support your local bookshop. Or you could always ask them to order it in if they don't have it. But yeah, it's out there and it's yeah, it's in, out in the world. And it's just called Vagina. It's just called Vagina, a re-education. Amazing. Well, it's, it's brilliant. I'm sure it's going to go very well. Yeah. Thank you. Well, so now it's time for the much-heralded return of yeah, IVF. What the f? Oh my god, he's back. He's back, and arguably better sounding. <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, yeah. The solution seems to have um, has been quite good. Worked out quite well. It has worked out well. Um, so, Professor Tim Child, medical med- director at Oxford Fertility. <laughs> I feel like because we haven't said that for a week, like yeah, we put extra effort into it. Um, <laughs> he is talking about baby aspirin. Now, if any of you don't know what we're on about, um, there is a school of thought that suggests that taking aspirin or baby aspirin, which is just a lower dose of normal aspirin, um, will before transfer, before embryo transfer, will help you, will help it to stick. And that's because it thins the blood. Is that... So it's like more blood flow. Yes, it improves blood flow because it thins the blood. Mm. Um, I did it on two of my cancelled rounds. So that's how much that worked for me. Um, when it got to my f- my most recent round, I couldn't be asked. And blood flow was... Because your lining was an issue for one of those, was it? My lining was an issue for two of them, I think. Okay. As I recall, like you have to listen back yeah but as as i recall it was for two of them that my lining just didn't reach one of them for one of them it was grainy oh sounds gross yeah felt gross um and for one of them it just didn't build up to the point that we wanted it to Mm. um so yeah and i i I tried aspirin i did ask my nurse at my clinic and she was like look it's not gonna hurt so if if you want to do it like by all means Mm. um go for it so I was taking like I think it was one baby aspirin a day which is like uh, a very small amount mm. um you have to go and get it over the counter so I just went to the pharmacist and was like oh, you've got baby aspirin like I don't know what that is but do you have any and they gave it to me mm, very good mm-hmm. and um yeah did because I'm now gauging things on like what our acupuncturist says because <laughs> she says things like pomegranate juice and things like that are good mm-hmm. So does she think the aspirin is a good idea? Do we know? I can't remember. I don't remember asking her about that. Um, Did I? I I probably did ask her about it because I think I went through a period of asking literally everyone about it. Mm. Um, But I also think, you know, what Professor Tim says here, which I won't give away, but I think there will be some people who disagree with him. So if you do, please write in. There's like a few professionals who listen to this mm. and we'd love to know your views on this particular subject because it seems to be one that a lot of people have thoughts on yeah absolutely cool so take it away professor tim so there has been a bit of a vogue for women taking aspirin low dose aspirin which is often called baby aspirin to try and thin the blood with the thought that this might improve implantation uh, in fact for um, studies have shown that for for women generally there's no advantage in taking aspirin the time when we do use blood thinning agents such as aspirin or heparin is when there's been shown to be a blood clotting problem in the woman and a woman may be tested for blood clotting or thrombophilia issues perhaps if she's had three or more miscarriages maybe two miscarriages with IVF or a number of failed IVF cycles and if there's problems with the clotting then perhaps blood thinning agents might be used. Thanks Professor Tim. That's it for episode 10 guys. Series 2 episode 10. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, Yes, go out and buy Lynn's book. Obviously, it's fantastic. And uh, we'll speak to you next week. We will speak to you next week. See you later. See you then. See you next Tuesday. (laughs) See you next Tuesday. Bye.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.